The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And on this podcast episode, we're going to be starting a series where we're going to be focusing on some of the common reasons that we have been seeing AI projects failing. And this is because we've been spending a lot of time with you, our listeners, as well as, of course, the others that we work with on a daily basis um, that are putting AI into practice. And um, you know, maybe you've been listening to our AI Today podcast for the last few years. This is now our fifth season, so well over four years. Celebrate our fourth anniversary <laughs> just a few <laughs> just a few weeks ago. Um, and you know, really, I think lately we've been on a bit of a kick to try to make you know, talking about doing AI projects right. Exactly. You know, so if you've listened to our podcast in the past, you know that we've gone through some different use case series, and we like them because. You know, it really helps helps our listeners understand, you know, we did an AI education series and we also did an AI use case series. And so as Ron mentioned, this is going to be reasons why AI projects fail. We have been doing this for quite some time now. And as Ron mentioned, we talked to both our listeners of the podcast, but also at Cognolytica, we're an AI-focused research advisory and education firm. So we talked to many leaders in the space about what they're doing. And so We said, you know, we think it's important to highlight some of these top reasons that we're seeing as AI projects failing, because then others can learn from them. You know, maybe you have not implemented any AI projects at your organization, but you're looking to do so, or you've implemented one or two on a small scale, or maybe you've implemented many, but, you know, everybody can learn from others, which is great and which is why we always loved our discussions and our interviews on the podcast. But we like to have these as well because, uh, you know, these use case podcasts, because it really is to help our listeners learn, okay, these are some of the reasons why projects are failing and let's, what can we do about that? So on today's podcast, we're really going to be focusing on Um, why AI projects are not like traditional software development projects. And if you run them that way, you're going to fail. Right. So before we jump into that, um, you may have heard the statistics on AI project failures. So many sources, whether you've seen them from consulting firms, Accenture, Deloitte, analyst firms like ourselves or Gartner, they'll tell you that the very large percentage of AI projects are failing. And, and part of the reason why, well, there's actually many reasons. There's about 10 major reasons why AI projects fail. And over the course of these, we actually are, we have 10 episodes that we have queued up to talk about each one of those 10 reasons why AI projects are failing. So Kathleen was talking about what this one's going to be about, and we'll kind of get into it in just a moment. But, but for those of you who are listening, we encourage you to, if you're not subscribed to the AI Today podcast, hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast you're listening to, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, whatever it is, because um, 
stay tuned. We're going to be going over all. We're not going to present all 10 reasons in this podcast. First of all, it would be too long. And second of all, we we really want you to be kind of going along with us. We want you to be staying tuned. Um, They will be sort of spread out. Uh, We have a couple of other podcasts already queued up. You may have heard that we have some podcasts for uh, with some guests, podcast swaps or some other uh, podcast hosts uh, that we've basically swapped with. So you'll hear some of them. And we also have a few interviews that we have still lined up from some of our AI and government or data for AI events and things like that. So uh, so just stay tuned with us. So um, as mentioned uh, in this particular uh, episode of the, the podcast, we're going to focus on one of the 10 reasons that AI is failing. And one of those reasons, one of the very common reasons is as Kathleen mentioned, that um, your people are treating these AI projects like their application development projects, thinking too much of AI as the functionality. But as we have learned, AI is not about the function, what makes an AI system work has nothing to do with the code. The code that basically does facial recognition doesn't really do facial recognition. It's actually the data that we use to create the model that basically does the facial recognition. And a lot of you might be saying, well, no, duh. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing AI all the time. Of course, the data is determining the function, you know, how the system behaves. And we say to, to, to those folks, it's like, well, then why are you running your AI projects like their application development projects if you know that it has nothing to do with application development, right? Exactly. And so, you know, that's a common theme that we've seen. And that's why it's important to bring up and continue to remind people, say, you know, don't, don't run your projects that way because they are going to fail. AI, we talk about this a lot on our podcast, right? That data is what fuels AI and data is at the heart of AI. And you need to make sure that you have good, clean data as well. So, you know, knowing that this is uh, data that is what's driving your AI projects, then you're going to need to think about it not as an application development, but more as a data-centric project. And so you're going to need to, uh, you know, make sure that you have roles and methodologies in place around that data. Right. So methodology is what we're talking about here. So 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 getting into this here from 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 this perspective of methodology, when you think about application development, we've had methodologies that really emerged over the past, say, two decades, but really over the past 10 years that have really guided the way that we build applications. Agile methodology might come come to mind. We learned a long time ago that if you build your applications in the so-called waterfall style, where it's you know design your your application then you know make make your design as complete as possible okay great now we all agree to the design great now let's still start building according to the thing that we just designed okay we build 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 many months you know takes takes a long long time big projects take really long time they take a long time to design they take a long time to build and then once you've built them you're like okay great now let's basically test that's the next step, design, build, test. So we test to make sure that the application meets the criterion that we built, that it does all the things that design. And then once it's tested, we deploy. Design, build, test, deploy. The problem is, is if it takes two years to go from design to build to test to deploy, things have changed over those two years, right? And you know the requirements have changed, the technology has changed, the maybe the business has changed, maybe the universe has changed, whatever. You know Things have changed and we learned a long time ago that no, this style of application development is not good. 
waterfall, build, test, de- deploy, manage. So design, build, test, deploy. So um, we're, we're going to do, we, we learned to do something called agile. And agile is this methodology where we're going to build to short design sprints, two-week sprints, where we basically solve for very short, we, we have the big picture in mind, but we solve for very short-term uh, user needs, the so-called the user story. And if we build to just the thing that we can do in two weeks, then we have a higher chance of getting it right. Because if we continue to do lots of iterations, we'll make it work. The problem is, is that if we try to, so we, we like Agile and Agile works, but if we try to use Agile for data projects, we run into, well, we run into a lot of problems. Exactly. Because, you know, what we found is that uh, Agile is really great when you're, you know, building a piece of software and you can continue to iterate on that. But when you're trying to build an AI system, you know, you're building it differently than that. So you're not building it for for one functionality or a piece and, you know, continuing to iterate on that. So you really need more data-centric methodologies um, that can work in conjunction with other methodologies, maybe that you have at your organization. But when you're building AI projects, make sure that you have, you know, something like that in mind. So what we found is that Uh, You know, if you're going to be evolving and building with this, make sure that you have a data first perspective and data centric methodologies that really can help you to achieve success with your AI projects. Yeah. So if you think about agile, what is an iteration? Well, when we think of functionality, you know, an iteration is is uh, a new piece of functionality like it didn't do something before. Now we built it. Now it can do that thing. Or maybe it did something in a limited way before, and now we iterate into, and it does something in a in a more expanded way. But but if you're building a chatbot, the functionality of the chatbot from one iteration to the next iteration is basically the same. So the functionality hasn't changed between iterations. What's changed is maybe the accuracy of the model, maybe the number of of words that it can understand, the intent, maybe the kind of responses it can do, maybe the languages, maybe it handles the same words, but in two different languages, maybe, you know, that is what you need to to define. And if if you're focusing too much on functionality, you're like, well, the functionality has stayed the same. Or you might be in a situation where your user, your business user, they just want a chatbot that can basically, you know, answer a question uh, about like, you know, customer service question. And you might say, I understand that's what you want for your first iteration, but it may actually take 20 iterations. It may take 20 iterations of your model to even get to the first functionality iteration. So the so the user might say, I didn't have a chatbot before, and now I want a chatbot. And you may be like, well, hold up. I actually need to like build this model, iterate this model a whole bunch of times just before I can even answer the first question. So so the so the way that we like to think about it is that if you the, the agile methodology does not sort of um, compete, if you will, with a data-centric methodology. They actually are running together. They run uh, and sort of different timelines. So you may have a data-centric methodology that says, okay, iteration one looks like this, iteration two, iteration three, iteration four, and it focuses on the, the data-specific things. And your agile methodology is focusing on different set of iterations, iteration one, two, three, four, that focus on the functionality set of things, and they run together. So of course, that means that we need to have a data-centric methodology, and, and we'll talk a little, bit about, a little bit about that. But exactly. some of the other things that are missing in agile is agile does not tell you how to do data prep. Agile doesn't tell you anything about data prep. Uh, agile doesn't talk about data understanding. 
you know, there's a whole bunch of other things that, that Agile does not tell you about, right? There's just like all these other, other points. Exactly. So, you know, it doesn't talk about, is this cognitive technology, this AI machine learning project that you're building, is it going to be for internal use? Is it going to be for external use? Also, when you're building, uh, you know, machine learning models, you need to talk about how you're going to build that model and how you're going to retrain that model as well. Agile doesn't talk about any of that. It also doesn't talk about, you know, how do you test and manage with highly individualized data sets as well. So you need to make sure that you're thinking through all of these. This is why you need those data-specific methodologies, because they're making sure that you're going through all these specific steps that you need when you're running data projects that Agile just doesn't touch upon. So, you know, these are really important uh, things that you need to be considering and need to be considering not <laughs> when you're well down the road to your project, but upfront at the beginning. Yeah. It's actually kind of scary. Uh, we've had a number of conversations with major organizations that you have heard of. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Major banks, major insurance companies, major um, companies that that do shipping and logistics, that 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 make your pharmaceuticals, that that like you know CPG products, the food and beverages that you drink every day, and they have a standard methodology that is well established for doing application development. They're like, oh, we do agile, we do this, we're like we're all certified, we got Scrum masters, we do blah blah blah. And they're like, that's awesome. So you must have the same sort of rigor with your data because data is even more important than application functionality. I mean, you got scrum masters that can tell you how to build a website and, 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 and you have your website methodology is so locked down that like, you know exactly who's in charge of what and like nobody can just mess with the website. Someone's got to go through this change. You got to have a user story. Surely you must have the same set of rigorous methodology for data, which is even more important than application functionality. And they're like, data methodology. Nah, we use the scientific method. Yeah, <laughs> oh no. Uh, somebody has a methodology that's in my head. We haven't even documented it. Mm. Or they're like, oh, we have 20 different methodologies. And we're thinking this is absolutely insane. Right. Right. I know. That's why I was laughing that I said, don't think about this, you know, <laughs> when you're well down the road, right. because it seems that it's an afterthought and we're like, okay, you know, don't be surprised when you spend tons of money and your AI project is a failure. It's not the way you want it. And then, you know, suddenly you're like, well, AI just doesn't work for us. That's not true. The method that you that you used does not work for you. So fix the method and then you're going to get the results that you want. Right. So, I mean, I mean, obviously, Kathleen and I agree with each other, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So if you've listened to our podcast or you've listened to any of our podcast swaps, as we mentioned, we um, were we had the opportunity to interview a lot of other podcasters and we were on their podcasts as well. You'll know at Cognolytica that we're advocates for best practices, methodologies, and in particular, the CPMAI methodology, the Cognitive Project Management for AI methodology. It's really a methodology that's data-centric, that has um, been established, well-established, and helps you do AI right. So for you know some of our listeners, especially if you've listened to some of our podcasts or attended any of our webinars or events, uh, we talk about CPMAI a lot, and it's built on the data centricity of CRISPDM. So CRISPDM is a methodology that has been around for 20 plus years and was created by a number of different companies and got adoption that way. But 
and it's a great data-centric methodology, but it needs to go one step farther and be relevant for AI. So that's what CPM AI does. It also, so it adds some of those, you know, very specific cognitive technology details that are really needed to make sure that we are, you know, have model evaluation and we're, you know, testing the model, coming up with, uh, you know, model governance, things like that. Also bringing in responsible and ethical AI into this as well. Yeah. I mean, so, so let's think of it this way, right? If, if, if you're a professional organization and you have a database, a customer database, and you're building an application functionality, would you let anybody uh, build any application on top of that database and, you know, deploy it and use whatever whatever sort of strategy they want. Maybe they're like, oh, I'll just take the data and I'll put it up there, and then later I'll clean it, and then maybe I'll make a model. Maybe I'll go back and right. And you'd you'd think to yourself that doesn't that doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right to just have a bunch of people doing different things in different orders with different levels of quality on on really what's a very important resource to their organization, which is the data. And the answer is like, of course, you wouldn't want to do it. You wouldn't want to have a standard way, a standard mechanism by which you start with the fundamental understanding of what the business needs, the business understanding, the requirements, or the organizational understanding, which is basically what is the problem I'm trying to solve? And, and if I'm doing AI and machine learning, before I even spend my time creating the data or, or collecting the data, cleaning the data, then I need to basically build my model and do my machine learning model training. And then I got to do algorithm selection, hyperparameter tuning. Then I basically got to get the model out, do evaluation, basically test its accuracy and performance and do all that sort of stuff and then get it out. Why would you go through all that without first understanding whether that the problem should be solved with cognitive technology or not, or what's called the AI go, no go decision. We're actually going to talk about this in an upcoming um, podcast, so a little bit of a preview, but basically you need to start with a, everybody in the organization needs to be aligned, right? People could be working on different things. You might have data scientists, data engineers, different groups, machine learning engineers working on different kinds of projects. As we talk about the seven patterns of AI, right? Some people may be working on recognition, some may be conversation, some may be predictive analytics, some may be anomalies and, and pattern detection, others may be working on a hyper-personalization, some may be working on autonomous systems, other people may be doing some sort of scenario uh, simulation, optimization, uh, you know, goal-driven system. Those are all the seven patterns, right? And they all may be working on different things, but that doesn't mean they should be doing them in different ways, right? Your chatbot people shouldn't be jumping right to building the model, right? Without working on data preparation and data cleansing. The people who are working on uh, autonomous systems, you know, for sure, autonomous is one of the hardest patterns. We'll get into this also in a future, uh, uh, talking about AI project failures. People are literally solving some of the hardest possible problems with AI first and wondering why these projects are failing. So, so that so we we're on a little bit of a crusade here. I mean, uh, or a little bit of a of a of an evangelical effort, I guess. I don't know what the right analogy is. We're really we're really trying to um, focus on the fact that if you want your data projects to be successful, you really have to have processes and methods in place by which you're running them with with the expectation of success. Because if you're running them randomly and you're running them with different people doing different things and using the scientific method of all things. Come on, you don't learn how to do AI projects in, in third grade. You know? I know. <laughs> so 
And that has been said by more than one, many people that that is their method. (laughs) Like, really? That's your methodology. Yeah. And you're like, my projects are failing. It's like, yeah, (laughs) you're not running a Bunsen burner experiment. I I understand data science. Yeah. You need science. I, I, I totally get it. But who's telling you what to experiment on? Who's telling you what your your supplies need to be? You know, who's telling you what quality is? I don't go, okay, go ahead and, uh, you know, figure out if you can make a battery out of a lemon. You know, it's sort of like, okay, (laughs) what what problem am I solving? What problem (laughs) am I solving? Exactly. Oh, and you need energy. Okay. Is really a a lemon-based battery the right way to get it? So um, (laughs) So I, I know it's kind of a crazy thing to start here. And there's, trust me, there's like nine other reasons why AI projects fail, but this is actually surprisingly very common. Um, and, and, and we see this problem a lot when you try to bring in and hire people into your organization. You know, if you're trying to bring on a data science team and you have no expectations on how they've run their data science projects before and the data science team people have no expectations how you run them, then what exactly are you expecting when you hire these people? Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you got you have skills, but 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 how are you going to apply those skills to to solve real business problems? Exactly, external hire, also internally. You know, if you're transferring departments, and also even within the same department, maybe if different people are running different projects and you have nothing documented and written down, don't expect them to run the projects the same way, even within the same department, even the same person, if they're running more, more than one project, because if you're not writing it down, there's no set of steps that you're following. So you can just be haphazard about it. And sadly, that's what we have been seeing. And then, you know, you quote these statistics and go, oh man, you know, how is it that all these projects are failing? And it's like, once you start digging a little bit deeper and actually trying to come to the you know, root cause of a lot of these, we've seen it's going to be one of the 10, one or a combination of the 10 reasons that we'll be presenting throughout this series of podcasts. So definitely important and stay tuned because we don't want our listeners to be the next statistic for a failure. <laughs> so kind of related to this, um, and this is actually not really a separate reason for failure, but but people have been talking about some of the ethical and responsible challenges for AI, because the thing about AI that makes that sets, maybe sets it apart is that there's a lot of ways in which machine-driven decision-making or autonomous systems can go wrong and cause harm. You know, whether it's intent, bad people doing bad things, deep fakes and things like that, or unintentional harm, you know, people basically having systems that are making decisions, algorithmic decision making, and it's biased, or it's just going haywire, chatbots that kind of go out of control. And you, you ask yourself this question, uh, and, I'll, and I'll call out Microsoft, how exactly did Microsoft get themselves into a position where they would be surprised that the Microsoft Tay chatbot, which is trained on live internet data, wouldn't go down some rabbit hole. It's like, did they have they are they not aware of Reddit and things like that? I mean, seriously. And trolls. <laughs> Just crazy right. people. Yeah. Crazy people. It's like, of course people are gonna do that. I mean, like when presented with an AI chatbot that will be trained in random data, you're gonna throw some crazy stuff at it. Well, the reason why it got so far is actually a methodology thing. It's like they didn't ask themselves the question at the very first step, what could go wrong? <laughs> actually. <laughs> Actually, didn't ask. Actually, they didn't ask that question at all. They, 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 they. I don't know what they were thinking, right? And and so, in a methodology, you have to ask the question of what can go wrong before you even collect your very first bite of data. 
It's actually part of the business and the CPMAI methodology. The ethical and responsible AI considerations are in the very first phase. And it's not just the obvious things like, you know, will this system go haywire and, and cause harm? There's actually a lot of sub sub issues. And this is something that we actually cover in it. In a, we actually have a certification just focused on ethical and responsible AI. It's called the Ethical and Responsible AI Certification. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, couldn't really come up with a better name. But, but basically, it, it, it starts with the, uh, our, our uh, comprehensive ethical AI framework that we actually have shared. Actually, you can go back to another podcast and hear about it. It's available, mm-hmm. uh, Creative Commons. You can go on there and you know, download it for free, and you can. But what we do in our certification is we actually bring people through the ethical AI framework so they know how to apply it. And then we, we go over like, this is like eight hours. We actually do four separate you know, two-hour courses where we, we spend some time saying, how do you deal with disclosure? How do you deal with consent? How do you deal with AI governance, decision-making? Is there a human in the loop? How do you determine the human's capability? What do you do about AI systems that are not explainable or understandable? How about the issues of, of addressing bias and fairness and, and inclusivity? And also, how do you actually do that? And you might say that maybe for certain kinds of AI systems, you, you may have to worry about some things and maybe you don't, but, but it's an ethical AI framework where at least you're thinking about it from the very first step. And it's crazy how many people are building AI projects that don't even think about any of these things before it's too late. They don't think about disclosure or consent at all. And it's like, you don't have to, to provide full disclosure or full consent, but you have to have at least thought about it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what a methodology is for. It's just, there's no rocket science methodology. It's just, here are the steps that we follow in every single one of our AI projects. And that gives us the confidence that we need that our AI projects are not going to fail, which is what we are talking about in this series. Exactly. So hopefully by the end of the series, you will have a comprehensive understanding of why AI projects fail, what we've seen with others as to why they're failing, and then what you can do to help make sure that your projects do not fail, which really at the end of the day is following a methodology. So hopefully by, you know, if we haven't convinced you by the end of this podcast, by the end of our use case series, where we outline all 10 of them, hopefully we will have convinced you by then. So as mentioned, stay tuned for upcoming episodes where we will talk about additional reasons why AI projects fail including why the ROI is not justified, data quality, data quantity issues, and more. We also have a few podcasts coming up in our AI education series, including model evaluation and testing, as well as interviews with a number of leaders in the space, including folks from IBM. We have the CDO of the Scottish government, Albert King. We have a few folks who were commissioners on the NSCIS and more. So definitely continue to stay tuned. As mentioned, we do have our CPMAI methodology and certification. If you're interested in learning more, we encourage you to go to courses.cognolytica.com. We've also seen a number of organizations and government agencies starting, you know, to discuss and some require vendors and others in the space who will be building or using AI systems to go through ethical and responsible AI training and certification. We think that it's incredibly important as well. And as Ron mentioned, we will be offering a live virtual upcoming AI training and certification on ethical and responsible AI in January of 2022. I will make sure to link to that in the show notes so that our listeners can learn more and register as well. So. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.
And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. Bye.